amen. I'm glad it's always the same. Open your Bibles again to Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I've been preaching now almost 40 years, but every time I approach the time of preaching, though I am excited, I am somewhat nervous, and I, this morning, am a little more uneasy than usual. I have what I believe is a very helpful truth and I want to present it in a way that it can be understood. Every time I send to preach, I understand it could be someone's last time uh, to hear me preach. And I, uh, uh, first of all, I don't want anybody to go away uh, without Christ as Savior. If you've never trusted Christ, you ought to trust Him today. Salvation, eternal life is a gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And I'm thankful that salvation is a gift and free. But I want to preach a message this morning I believe will help all of us. And I want you to, you'll have to think with me and you'll have to go with me through the message as I preach on the subject, living for purpose or for goals. Living for purpose or for goals. And I want you to think with me as we go through the message this morning. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray not because I'm required to and not because it's a habit to, though I pray every time before I preach. Uh, Lord, I do hunger for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I do hunger for that. I've asked you for that many times through the night. Uh, Lord, and uh, this morning, uh, since early, right here in this place, asking uh, that you would use the truth. And Lord, let me simply be a messenger, a mouthpiece to deliver the truth of the message. And I pray, Lord, that I would have more than an outline uh, but Lord, uh, filled with the Spirit of God, that uh, the uh, not only the mind but the heart can receive and understand uh, the truth this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Without taking a lot of time, I want you to notice the instructions in our text verses that talk about being who we're supposed to be, and if we'll be who we're supposed to be, the results will take care of themselves. Uh, I fear that in our generation, and my generation compared to the last, we've become so goal-oriented, we have forfeited some things that should define us. Are you with me this morning? I, I, I'm for goals. I, I, I'm for goals, but I'm more for being what we're supposed to be rather than a goal putting so much pressure on me that it changes or forfeits who I'm supposed to be. For example, Psalm 37, he gives this instruction, trust in the Lord. That's supposed to, that's supposed to be who I'm supposed to be. It doesn't say trust in the Lord in good times, it says trust in the Lord, and I suppose that means all the time. That's who I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to trust in the Lord. If he's in control, I might as well trust him, right? Uh, I, I, I've, I've said this before, Vance Havner was watching the old newscast and newscaster Walter Cronkite, and he would close his, uh, his newscast every evening. How many of you uh, remember watching Walter Cronkite? And he would say, and that's the way it is, August 6, 2023. That's how he ended every broadcast, every newscast. The old preacher said, no, Walter, that's the way it seems. This is the way it is. Trust in the Lord, he said. Then he said, delight thyself in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Then he said, commit thy way. That's how we live. Commit thy way unto the Lord. That's the steps I take. That's the way I think. That's how I feel. Uh, that's everything about me, mentally, spiritually, mostly physically. I'm to commit my way unto the Lord. He's talking about who I'm supposed to be. 
Then he says, trust also in him. He's already said that once. He says it again, trust also in him. And then he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now he talks about these things that we're supposed to be. And if you read all of the text and the context, all of the chapter, you'll find out if we'll be who we're supposed to be, the results will take care of themselves. Sometimes we look at a goal, we look at what we want to do, what we want to be so much we forfeit what we are supposed to be in our daily walk with God. The instruction is to be rather than do. It's a typical instruction throughout the Word of God. You'll find throughout the Word of God, people were defined not as to what they did, but as to who they were. Now think with me. When we think of David, we, thought of, we think about what he did. The Bible tells us what he did, but the Bible focuses or defines him by who he was. The Bible defines him as a man after God's own heart. That's who he was. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 11, we have folks who did a lot of things, and we remember them for what they did. We think of Noah as what? Building an ark. We think of Abraham as leaving his own country and going to be the father of a great nation that he knew not of. And we think of the accomplishments that he made, but the Bible describes him as to who he was. It says, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Noah. And they are described in the Bible, they are defined as to who they are. Today we have an emphasis on what people accomplish and I fear that we set goals to accomplish things so much that we compromise who we're supposed to be in the sight of God. Paul is described as a man of sacrifice and commitment to the will and work of God. When we talk about Paul, we talk about the churches that he planted. We talk about the miracles that took place in Paul's life. And those are good and those are wonderful, but those are all the results of who he was. He wasn't driven by the result. He was driven by who he was supposed to be. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, he said, I press toward the prize of the high calling of God uh, and in Christ Jesus. And Paul talked about, I want to be like Christ. He didn't say, I want to do these 15 things. Now, I'm not preaching against setting goals, but if a goal prevents you from having the character and Christianity that you're supposed to have, that's a bad goal. But if a goal is the result of who we are in Christ, that's a good goal. <clears throat> when I compare the leaders of basic successful companies in America, the CEOs of the leaders of the past generation, and I compare them to the current leaders of this generation, I find a major difference. Earlier companies were built on the character of the leader, the character of the company, and without character and integrity, you could not be a part of that company. For example, men like J.C. Penney. He was concerned about who he was. He wasn't willing to set a goal that would compromise who he was. Who he was caused the result that he enjoyed. The current that we see today is built on setting and reaching goals. 
and the character part is often compromised in the reaching of the goals. Emphasis today is on social acceptance rather than the character and integrity of an individual. But I have news for you. The Bible has not been updated. It has not been changed. It still is what it is. It never is what it was because things that are eternal don't get dated. So the Bible being what it is, I'm not supposed to emphasize social acceptance. I'm supposed to emphasize the acceptance of God in heaven. Your life is to be is to bring glory to God, not to be being lived for social acceptance. There's a vast difference in the character-driven sport coaches of a past generation and the coaches of today. Now, I'm not criticizing all coaches today, and I don't know very many today, but when I was a boy, the coaches were people like John Wooden, Bobby Knight. If the game wasn't bad, you enjoyed throwing chairs. Uh, but 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 the days of Crum and Rupp and those when I went, when I was a little boy those were the coaches and all of those were character driven people. Are you with me? And they required character of their players and to play for them. In fact, you'll find that John Wooden said, "I'm not really a coach. I'm a teacher." And I'm a teacher of principles. And so when I, get to the, when I get to the game, what I have taught in the classroom or in practice, I'll find out if I succeeded in properly teaching what I aim to teach. And everything was principle and character driven. Now I fear that we so much follow the society of today that we divorce ourselves from the word of God or we try to rewrite the word of God to fit the core and fit the culture of today I'm preaching today let's not be driven by gold that changes our character let's be driven by being the Christian you and I are supposed to be when it comes with our daily walk with God our character and our Christianity heaven's reward day will, re will reveal many unsung heroes and I contend that you and I should not live today for social acceptance. And the church is not supposed to be culturally relevant. The church is a culture as defined by the word of God. Let God be the judge and may we desire not to hear well done among men. May we desire to hear our heavenly father say well done Thou good and faithful servant. Take your Bibles and go with me to Galatians chapter 5. A very simple uh, a passage of instruction that Paul uh, wrote to the church at Galatia. And he told them that they were to walk in the spirit. Now walking is not a big activity. It's not a major activity. I mean it's not like graduation day, wedding day and all those big days. Walking in the Spirit is what we do every single day. And Paul emphasizes what we're supposed to do, what we're supposed to be every day. He did not focus on the goal. He focused on the behavior, and the right behavior brings uh, uh, the right result in life. Notice what he says, uh, Galatians chapter 5 and uh, verse number 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and these are contrary the one to the other so that notice this ye cannot do the things that ye would we can't do what we want to do if you notice people do what they want to do self-destruct we do what's right to do and the Bible tells us what's right to do. The Bible tells us what's wrong. The Bible tells us what's right. The Bible tells us what's wrong. And the closer we live according to the word of God, not what we want to do, but what the Bible says, the more of the right results we find in our life. And I want you to notice, if you'll go to verse number 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this, if you walk in the Spirit, we yield the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Nine parts to the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the problem is many folks set a goal to have these things in life. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you just walk in the Spirit. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll get the desired results. Are you with me this morning? The fruit is not the goal. The walk is the goal. Let, let, let's not set a goal to be a superhero Christian. Let's set a goal just to be a good Christian tomorrow. Let, let, let's set a goal just to be a good Christian today. If I'm what I'm supposed to be today and what I'm supposed to be tomorrow, the results will take care of themselves. Do you know David was not raised to be a giant killer? He wasn't even raised to be a soldier. He wasn't old enough to be in Israel's army. You know what David was doing? What he did every day from some point in his life. He was chosen as the shepherd. I don't know if he had that natural talent, ability. I don't know why. But David is chosen to take care of his father Jesse's sheep. And in doing what he's supposed to do every day, his dad said, I want you to go check on your brothers who are in battle against the Philistines. And that's all he went to do. He went to do what he did every day, and that's whatever his daddy asked him to do. May I say the successful Christian is the one who does whatever the father says to do every day. We, we, we are so much inclined in our generation uh, to be a superhero and so many folks are disappointed, they're discouraged and even depressed in life because they can't reach their goals. I got good news for you today. You can be what God wants you to be every day and acceptable in the sight of God and that, my friend, is the most successful life you and I can live. David goes down to, to see how his brothers are doing. When he gets there, Goliath is cursing the God of heaven. Goliath is cursing the nation of Israel. And he asks his brothers, is there not a cause? I mean, shouldn't somebody go out there and do something about this guy? They say, but David, if, 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 if he defeats us, we have to serve him. And look how big he is. He's over nine feet tall. But David did what God put in his heart to do. You know what David did after after he killed Goliath, he went back and gave a report to his daddy. And then he went back home. He went back to tending the sheep. Success in life is not setting a goal and saying, I'm Mr. Superhero in this area. I fear that life gets so out of balance when we try to be a hero in one area. When the Bible teaches us that we're just supposed to be day after day what God desires for us to be. I came to Lexington in 1991, became the pastor of this church. It was 18 people in the first service, Wednesday night. First month, May 1991, we averaged 30-something in church. 
We probably got 30-something running in the, loose in the hallways and the restrooms running around today. Now, I, but I didn't come to build a big church. I did not. You know why I came? I came because God, God called me to come and win every person I could win to Christ. To get every person I could that I won to Christ, get them to come to church. To get every person that we got saved to get baptized as a public profession of their faith in Christ. And then third, to teach every person I could what this Bible says to the best of my ability and just being faithful in doing what God wants us to do. Our church has grown for all of these years, and I'm thankful for that. But we've gotten to the place today, I know pastors, their goal is to build a mega church. And, that, and because that is their goal, they've compromised the character of who they're supposed to be. And if we're not careful, we let this world dictate how we're supposed to live as a Christian. I don't need to ask the world how to live as a Christian. I need to open the word of God and find uh, passages like Psalm 37. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Well, there's a lot of evil doing going on out there. I watched the news once in the last two months and I found out enough to do me for two months. And I find myself wanting to fret. The Bible says fret not, God's in control. I find this, uh, he says, trust in the Lord. Delight thyself in the Lord. Commit thy way unto the Lord. And the Bible says, then he'll bring forth that thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment in the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself, the Bible says. And so the Bible emphasizes how I'm supposed to live in the sight of God. I knew some of the great pastors of the past generation. I, I knew some of the pastors that, that, that pastored huge churches, but they never intended to build a mega church. I was at Tennessee Temple University in 1982 when they had right out 10,000 in Sunday school. Lee Robertson was a pastor. He was from English, Indiana. And, uh, uh, just, just, and, and as he would uh, describe it, a hillside farm in English, Indiana. He was a pastor of that church. He never said, now folks, let's build a mega church. Let's see if we can have the biggest church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He didn't do that. You know what he did? He just decided to be what God wanted him to be as a pastor, to do as a church what God called them to do. And God is the one that gives the increase. If I can't control the increase, then I'm not going to try or allow that to become the judge of my success. My success in life is how I live for him every single day. The Bible is more about being than it is who we want to become. If you look up the words goal and purpose, you'll find these definitions. Goals are what we wish to achieve, specific, measurable objectives. Uh, we set goals for diet, exercise. Uh, why did I have to bring that up? I just spoiled a good sermon. Uh, forget that part. Strike that from the record. Uh, we set goals for exercise, relationship, career development, uh, whatever the case may be. In our Western society, goals receive by far more attention than purpose and principle. But that's a change. That's not what America was built on. America was not built on success. America was built on purpose and principles. And success is the result of obeying those principles and that purpose. We ought to get back to simply living by the Ten Commandments. 
We ought to get back to simply living by a daily walk with God. Let me give you this statement. so important. If, if I ask the question, Lord, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Why did you create me? Here's the answer. To glorify God with my life. Uh, look quickly, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Glorify God with my life. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. If you don't have this marked in your Bible, and it should become one of those uh, verses that would control, that would guide and guard your life. Whether therefore, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I like to hear pages turning. I like that. Turn your Bibles. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, he started off with something that all of us can relate to, didn't he? Whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything I do, I'm supposed to do to the glory of God. Matthew 5, 16. Look at that verse quickly. Matthew chapter 5. In Matthew chapter 5, verse number 16. What is my purpose? To glorify the Father. Bring glory to the Father. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Take your Bibles go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. And notice, if you will, in verse number 7. My life, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Uh, many folks are confused, they're depressed, they have anxiety, they don't know why they're here. Uh, the answer is simple, it's to glorify the Father. You say, they don't, they don't sound like any fun in that. Well, don't knock it till you try it, because it's the greatest life in all the world to live a life that's pleasing to the Father. Isaiah 43, verse number 7, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So why am I here? To glorify the Father. Now, Jesus glorified the Father most. You know why? Think about this. How did Jesus glorify the Father? He revealed the Father to us. We saw God by how Jesus lived. So when I glorify the Father, that means I let others see God living in me and through me. That's what it means to glorify the Father. There's so many verses and, and, and chapters about this. Colossians 1.15, John 1.18, uh, Hebrews 1 says he is the express image of the Father. And so we find uh, that the Father glorified him most because uh, Jesus glorified the Father most because he revealed uh, him, uh, God to us. That's what I'm supposed to do. Now, I am not against setting goals. I'm not against setting goals. But you don't find a whole lot of goal setting in the Bible to become a superhero about something. What you find in the Bible is instruction on how to be what we're supposed to be to glorify the Father, which means let others see God through me. Let me give you some Christian virtues. Let, let, let me just define this. Let, let me just put the jelly on the bottom shelf here. What am I supposed to emphasize in life? Not what I do, but who I am. And if I'll fulfill who I am, the results will take care of themselves. For example, as a Christian, I'm to walk humbly before God. 
humility is a Christian virtue. We're not talking about humility before you. Some, some ha- have this wrong idea. They think uh, when I talk to somebody else, I'm supposed to be humble. Well, I'm just not worthy, Brother Young, to be in your presence and be in your honor. You've misunderstood the Bible. He's not God. It doesn't say walk humbly before men. Well, I'm, I'm just not worthy to be on the platform with you. That, that's, a, that's not humility at all. That's a foolishness. Walk humbly before God is for you to get on your knees in the morning and to realize you're in control of everything, including the next breath I breathe. You are in charge of everything. If my mind continues to work, you're in control of my mind and my thinking. And to walk humbly before God means to every day yield in His presence in humility. I'm not supposed to live life trying to be a super Christian or a super pastor or a super husband. I'm supposed to live life being what God's called me to be and, 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 what I, and, and who I am. The results will take care of themselves. Walk humbly before God. Second of all, have faith in God. Hebrews eleven six. without faith it's impossible to please Him. Third of all is the word charity. I'm to love my neighbor as myself. Charity is a good word. It's equal to the word love, but love is not used. In 1 Corinthians 13, charity is because charity is different than love. Love is the emotion, uh, but charity is the action of the emotion to see a need and to meet that need. That's who I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to just make a charitable donation. I'm to be a person of charity. Sometimes what someone needs is a kind word. Sometimes someone needs an encouragement. Someone needs a smile. They need a handshake. I'm supposed to be a person of charity. You and I are to be people of courage. In the Old Testament, he says, be of good courage. In the New Testament, he says, be of good cheer. He says, be of good cheer five times in the New Testament. Be of good courage is repeated in the Old Testament. You'll find it to be the same. Be of good courage. Be of good cheer. He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You're on my side. You're on my side. I've overcome the world. So I'm supposed to be of good courage. Number five, I'm supposed to have self-government. That means I'm responsible for who I am. That means I don't say, well, it didn't do very good this week, but it wasn't my fault. It's the people I have to work with. It's this world I have to live in. No, self-government says I do right in the sight of God, and I'm responsible for my actions, my behavior. Uh, Number six is virtue. I mean just being clean and pure and moral virtue. Uh, Number seven is to be a person of servitude and desire. You understand that our nation was built even before men knew Christ as Savior. They knew these virtues. They knew these behaviors. And America was built on service and taking care of the customer and serving others. And, and, And we've gotten away from that today. We've become so goal oriented. We have compromised the character and Christianity of our nation. Number eight is wisdom. If you took your Bibles, let me just show you right fast. Second Peter chapter one. Boy, I'm running out of time. Could I borrow somebody's watch that stopped? Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one. 
Notice verse number 5. And beside this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to your virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance. And he goes through the things that I've just given you. Uh, some words the same. Uh, some words uh, synonyms. But he goes through and he adds. You know what he is saying? He is saying live right every day. Some, some folks, they, they, they become a different person on Sunday. They put on their Christian behavior on Sunday. I'm a Christian on Monday too. In fact, where my light needs to shine most is not just in here where all the lights are on. My light needs to shine in a dark world. That's where my light needs to shine. I need to be the salt of the earth in the world. I'm preaching this morning. Let's not try to be someone uh, that may or may not be in our ability. Let's try to be what God wants us to be in our Christian lives. Let me give you these statements in closing, and I'm just now to the sermon, but I'm out of time. Number one, there are different ways to reach goals. There's only one way to live by principle. There are different ways to reach goals, some good, some bad. I don't want to live for goals. I want to live for living by principle, the word of God every day. Number two, a goal that helps me fulfill my purpose is a good goal. If a goal distracts me or prevents me from being a just person, it is a bad goal goal. Number three, be focused on who we are and let who we are accomplish what we should accomplish in life. I wish I had time to go through Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 not only defines the virtuous woman, it tells us what she accomplished, not because her goal was to accomplish that her goal was to be what she was supposed to be. And being what she was supposed to be, she accomplished what she was supposed to accomplish. Read Proverbs 31. I give you the fourth thing. Circumstances do not affect my purpose or principle as much as they affect my goals in life. Some things can change. If I live for a goal, what if I don't live long enough to reach that goal? I failed in life. But what if my goal is to be the kind of Christian I'm supposed to be today? Every day can be victory. I go to bed at night and say, I gave it my best today. Did you kill any giants? No, but God didn't put any giants in my way. And if God puts giants in my way and it's God's will for me to kill that giant, I'll do it. And then I'll go back to being what I'm supposed to be. Circumstances don't affect principle. Principle is always in control. Circumstances will affect your goal-driven lives. Our goals should be, should be what God wants us to be. Stand with me, if you will. Psalm 37, here's what he says. Just go ahead and stand. I'll stop in a moment. I'm trying to quit right now. You'll understand when you eat lunch today and say, I want to get just a little bit more. Psalm 37 is about who I'm supposed to be. Don't live in fear. Don't live in fret. Live in trust. Don't live in worry and live in doubt. Live in faith. Don't, don't, don't set goals that are going to keep you discouraged in life. Make your goal be who God made you to be in His will. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you ought to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. In just a moment when He sings invitation song, if you're not sure heaven is your home, 
You ought to slip out from your seat, make your way down the nearest aisle and tell one of these men or ladies in the front, I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven when I die. You hear this morning as a Christian, you're discouraged about life. It may be because you're trying to do something you can't you can change. But you can be what God made you to be. By His grace and by His power, you can be. Heavenly Father, I so much want us to understand. Lord, help us. Help us not to rear our children to set goals to impress others. Help us to rear our children to be what they're supposed to be every day in life, character, and principle. Bless the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen. He's going to sing the invitation song. If you, this morning, God spoke into your heart in some way, you ought to find your place at this altar and say, Lord, help me to live by the principles of the Word of God. I need my joy back from living daily in the will of God. You hear this morning, you're not sure heaven is your home. You ought to let one of these men, one of these ladies, take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure heaven is your home this morning. Just as I am.